conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey everyone, I was hoping to get this message put together sooner, but things like this unfortunately take time to set up. I just want to say that the acts of war against Ukraine break my heart, and I know as a prior service member myself that my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who's fighting the fight that they really shouldn't have to. That being said, we have been working behind the scenes with all of our podcasts and podcast partners to put a fund together in order to pay for any refugee housing and other needs that go alongside that, like food, water, and any clothing needs. Internally, many podcasts in the Hospitality FM network have voluntarily given up sponsorship money in order to donate to the cause and are working on a unified message in order to spread throughout all of our podcasts. So this is me calling out to all of our property manager friends, industry experts, and anyone knowing of those providing lodging for Ukrainian refugees seeking safety. You can contact me directly at will, with one L, W-I-L, at slicktalkmedia.com. We have an internal document that is being updated in real time. So if anyone could share this message within your network, we'd greatly appreciate it. I'm also placing in the show notes a link to our GoFundMe and landing page for Rentals to Rescue. That's rentals.torescue.com, where we're putting funds together in order to, again, provide finances for any of these lodging and relocation needs. So thank you so much for tuning into this quick message. I hope you guys are all well and safe, as I know we have tons of listeners in Ukraine and other countries in in Europe. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right. Good morning, Michaels. What is up, dude? How are we doing today? Good morning. Happy Happy holidays. We're getting so close, so close to that time. There's still snow over there, Mr. Ross, or no? No, it's gone. So unfortunately, we can't uh, stay inside. But in, in Holland, we celebrate it's called Sinterklaas. It's kind of Santa Claus, but the, the Dutch version on the fifth of December. So we had some celebrations. Nice family time. So it was uh, it was good. You get your nice little wooden clogs. Yeah, not those, not those. Well, you put in your front, your shoe in front of the chimney, actually, and then you're getting some surprises. So it's a pretty funny tradition. But he's leaving on the sixth of December, so he's gone, and now he's waiting for Santa Claus. So <laughs> that's sick. I love it. 
Well, I'm going to do a quick little, uh, you know, shout out and then we'll hit our intro song. Uh, shout out to Hostfully, who is, uh, you know, supporting this episode. It's kind of nice to see a new name on the show. So thank you guys. I'm going to hit our um, our morning intro and then we're going to go right into the Bidruption Report because I know you got lots to say about the startup of the week and a few other little big Bidruption news. So I'm pumped. Cool. Hi, I'm going to start with the startup of the week. This week I have a startup from uh, from the US. I met the guys in February. In February I went to the uh, to San Francisco and to Silicon Valley. Also on this trip I visited the office of Airbnb where I was invited, but we we'll talk about Airbnb in a second. Actually on the plug and play event where Bidum was nominated and uh, was attending, I met the guys from uh, Troop Travel. Troop Travel actually is a company which actually they start solving a question actually, where do we meet? So actually using millions of data points actually in location, carbon offset, security, visa requirements, and many, many more to find the best place for your meeting. So when I saw the presentation in there, I was impressed. So imagine you have a company which has offices in different places all over the world. They're actually suggesting a place where is the best to meet. So also looking at carbon offset, pricing, hotels, flights, they're using all those data points and they come with a solution. So it could be, for example, when you're uh, a company, your headquarters in Amsterdam, you have offices in London, maybe not a, an office in the US, they might suggest meet in Africa because there, if it all comes together, this makes most sense. Or it could be, for example, a completely different location. So it's pretty interesting what they build. Uh, they also raised some money, but, and they get a lot of awards. I think in the last year, I think they had over 10, uh, 10 awards, especially because they disrupted the market. For sure, it's not easy now because they really focus on B2B. But I think if B2B comes back and probably is, is close to half, let's, let's expect like this, I think they can take a big chunk of the market because they're disrupting the way you're booking, the way you're searching. So uh, big compliments to the guys. I had a nice talk with them in, uh, in February. It was one of my last travels. And uh, for sure, if B2B come back, uh, for sure they uh, they will accelerate. Um, also, of course, there's only events this week. Um, I will attending two. On Wednesday, I've got a WTFL, the World Tourism Forum Lutzern uh, meetup. It's about innovation. It's like a founder stock. So together with Ross Atkins of BBC and two other founders, we have a nice discussion about the ingredients of being a founder, entrepreneurship. Um, so it will be really nice sessions. Well, I mentioned before, the World Tourism Forum was, was important. As in 2017, we won the award. Um, and yeah, there will be nice discussion and founder stock. And on Friday, I'll be kind of a teacher again. I will just do a dialogue with some MBA students of the Hotel Scudi Hague. So we'll be, they will ask questions about starting a company, about what is happening actually in your journey in starting a company, the ups and downs, the lows and highs. So I'm looking forward to teach the students again. I did it a few weeks ago for... Uh, uh, the, the hotel school for an innovation school in Berlin and this this week on Friday 
uh, hopefully I can teach the guys in the, the from the hotel school the Hague uh, something. So that's my disruption report for this week, and uh, see you next week. What a classic grandma, wine and a donut for breakfast. Um, this week, it's going to be tough to ignore the Airbnb IPO. It is what everybody's going to be talking about. And I'm sure most media will be consumed with this. The, the IPO has been long awaited for. and It's probably one of the most anticipated IPOs, uh, not only of the year, but in a, in a long, long time. And it's going to be a broader topic that we discuss today as a group. But in general, uh, it's an interesting time for Airbnb to go public. Uh, it is short-term rentals have been the crown jewel of travel through Corona. But Corona has certainly still dampened uh, a lot of numbers for almost every company that touches travel in the industry. And so we'll dive into a lot of the details a little bit further. Um, but first, uh, just one quick thing on the multiples that, that they're going out with. Uh, Will, if you can get that up. So Airbnb is going to be listing it just under a, a 10x multiple uh, of revenue to, to valuation. And, and booking is the only one that's going to be a little bit stronger than that. They're at about a 12x multiple. Expedia is only at a three and a half X multiple. I think there's an argument both ways that Airbnb can be more valuable or, or less valuable, just depending on, on your viewpoints and stance. But they haven't had the exposure to air travel to hotels that the other two have. So there's certainly an argument that the valuation should be a little bit higher than their competitors in the short term. Um, and you know, we've all heard Airbnb talk about flights. They've talked about hotels. In the past, they talked about it in the prospectus with the, the purchase of uh, Hotel Tonight. So we know those are avenues they've explored and will likely continue to explore. Uh, but their multiple is certainly interesting compared to their, their direct competition, which is booking with Expedia. And we'd love to, to get uh, Michael and Will's input on the IPO this week. Have you guys heard of it yet? Is, is it has the news crossed your plate yet? <laughs> <laughs> I heard something. I heard something. No, it's it is interesting what's going to happen. Right, you multi. You had mentioned the multiplier. Um, I'm really curious how the landscape will look in ten years. Right, you see, it's it's they do the comparison of the valuation compared with hotel chains, which has assets and etc. So I'm really, with all respect, and I just love what they did. Of course, they disrupt the market, um, but at the end, it just what they're owning is some servers with some great product on it running. And that's pretty it. And it's, it's impressive. I met them. Of I went. I just mentioned. I went, and I actually had a meeting with uh, Sam Schenk of Hotels tonight. Nice coffee in February, and we talk about the hotel business. And even in February, they were more concerned about us than about COVID that time. <laughs> so it actually started. But it's it is interesting to look what is their growth potential, right? It's like the valuation now is set, which is a huge multiplier. Um, I think now you see some accommodations, some some apartments moving out of Airbnb and moving into mid-term or long-term because now because of COVID. 
And I'm actually, where is the growth? Is it mentioned? Is it what you mentioned? Is it extra verticals? Is it maybe they're going to just investing in, in real estate or are they going to step away from this? I'm really curious what will be their, uh, their growth or their future, actually. Yeah. What do you think? In, in their prospectus, they list a couple of growth paths. Um, one is experiences. And it's, it's long been known that Airbnb wants to own the entire trip. Uh, they haven't executed on it yet, but they've done piece by piece of hospitality and, and the actual rental side. They've added the experiences. Um, so once you get to the city, now you have, you know, things to do. I, I remember the days that it's, I would sign up for those free walking tours that uh, people would put on in, in cities across Europe and you tip them, you know, 10 euros and, and, it, and you have a really cool experience and you meet people. Um, Airbnb is monetizing that through the experiences and you know, I think it's, it can work. It's probably a lot harder now with Corona than, than before, but they brought a lot of those things online. Another area, Michael, that you mentioned was midterm and long-term stays and Airbnb during COVID added, um, and booking.com did as well. So they, they weren't the only ones added a midterm or, or long-term stay capability where now they're kind of in the boat with a Zillow, except on Zillow, you can't one-click book or, or three-click books, as, as Airbnb likes to say. So, you know, if, if they're tapping into just a tiny fraction of the mid and long-term housing stock, that's a huge, huge potential for, for growth. Um, and then the last piece is, is gaining more and more travelers. And... You know, Verbo does a great job in the U.S. of having um, a little bit older or family family type of, of customer. Airbnb you know, is is known to have more of the millennial style customer, and I think you know, fast forwarding 10, 20 years, Airbnb is going to be a really strong brand that that's going to be uh, competitive. And and Booking.com owns really the rest of the world. Um, mm -hmm. They're they're the they're the global conglomerate. They, they certainly are the, the incumbent winner in travel everywhere outside of the U.S. And they've certainly publicly stated that, that the U.S. is somewhere they want to be active in and competing as well. So uh, I think it's good that Airbnb finally goes public because a lot of their numbers will be listed and, and we can all you know, see exactly where, where everybody is. Um, listing counts, for example, uh, last year there was a, a tit for tat with booking.com where Airbnb has this many listings and booking has this many listings and Airbnb has this many and then booking's like, okay, add in hotels and we have 25 million listings. So, uh, it, it was over there. If you look at listings, do you really think Airbnb can grow in the numbers of listings they have? Um, because if you have a property, you want to rent it out. It's you just added already there, right? It just yes and they... no. Yes and no. Because if you think about what what trends really started during COVID was you know, work from anywhere, not really having necessarily a home, but just a, a home base. And if you have a home, then and you just start to travel. Now it's it's unlocking more inventory for. Uh, the travelers to to use or or to be listed on not just Airbnb but all the all the platforms. So I do think listing count can 
increase. Um, we'll see how many travelers continue to use short-term rentals when the vaccine is out and, and affected. And if those travelers were converted away from hotels and permanently to short-term rentals, I, I think we all know that's not necessarily the case. I use short-term rentals. I also use hotels. There's a time and place for both. And I'm sure Michael, uh, maybe you don't want to admit it, but you've probably used short-term rentals before too. <laughs> <laughs> I still probably still prefer hotels, but even though, of course, it's nice to just have this this mix, right? I think it's healthy. Mm -hmm. I love to if I just have to go for work somewhere, I prefer, of course, to stay in a hotel. Um, but it's nice to combine a bit. It depends on the location where you're going. I'm still really curious when we talk about go. We see the regulations, right? I would say if you have a property, you're renting this out on Airbnb. I read some, I heard some nice discussion last week with on a podcast somewhere else, and they had the discussion. Okay, it doesn't really make sense to keep it on the Airbnb because first I could rent it out 12 months in Amsterdam. Now I can only rent it out one month, so it doesn't really make sense to rent it out as an Airbnb or just gonna just go for long, uh, long term rent again. So I'm really curious if yeah. regulations actually could decrease the numbers of listings because I think. I don't see a lot of space left in increase. They might increase maybe listings when they're adding more more hotels. But I think in, in really the vacation rental, really the short-term rental apartments, et cetera, I'm not sure. So the answer is, is yes, absolutely. And that article that Will's going to share highlights that uh, they've struck deals or relationships with 70% of their top cities. So it's barely worked out from a regulatory standpoint. That being said, San Diego is a, a pretty large market. It is uh, seemingly moving forward with a cap on licenses that's 50% what it is today. So yes, absolutely, um, it can go the other way. Um, but if we also revisit our, our very first podcast on uh, can a apart hotel brand exist, there is almost certainly going to be the rise of licensed hotel licensed short-term rental properties that are 100% short-term rental. In cities like Amsterdam, where there's a cap on nights, honestly, that's really only good for Airbnb because no one can afford to rent out their flat full-time um, and, and make enough for the, for the year on 30 nights. But in, in other cities, I mean, France has a 120-day limit, I think. I know London has a 120-day limit. You, you can't really do it uh, financially with that. Um, but there's other ways in France, for example, if you convert an office into housing, then you can get full short-term rental permit. So there's some companies that have done that. In London, there's certain license types that if you get, then you can rent out full-time. So it's... I think the next wave is on the legitimacy. And yes, there will be a, a decent number of churn from the, the single hosts that, that might be just renting out their second home. And, and that's a, that is a key core market for Airbnb. Um, but they also recognize that the majority of their revenue comes from professionals. And now that they're going public, that's, you know, you can care about this single host all you want. And they've set up funds for hosts to buy pre IPO stock. And, and there's some really good stuff that they've done, but they're going to be reporting to wall street now and wall street cares about revenue and the revenue comes from pro hosts. 
So, but that's, if you talk about revenue, I'm really curious if you're looking at their revenue streams, like their business model, because it's focused on transactions. They charging the host and and, and the, the booker, the guest. This is even not allowed in the Netherlands. So if you're as a guest, you can ask your your feedback because you can't earn on both sides because it's more like the, the real estate broker market, right? You can't earn on both sides. I'm really curious, like, are they going to keep similar business model? Or are they going into, I mentioned before, I'm not be surprised in a bedroom business model, so like subscription-based, I'll not be surprised. You would say if you really want to create loyalty, and if you're looking at valuation of SaaS models or subscription services are enormously. So it might be the case, okay, for the host, for example, you might keep a transaction or commission, but for the booker, for the guest, he doesn't pay any fees anymore. He pays, in this case, he pays a subscription. I'm also curious in this case, then you're avoiding maybe the issue what is there now that you're earning on a transaction of both sides. In that case, you say you get access to Airbnb, for example, and you're paying a subscription. On the other hand, they can still charge the the uh, the host. I'm really curious if they will make a shift in business model to to maintain or go into higher valuation because of you know, if you have a guest and he's paying subscription fee, you can do the multiplier, right? Which is the uh, which is great for valuation. So true, but I mean if. Look, private industry is always two steps ahead of public regulations. So what happens in Amsterdam or, or Europe in general where you can't charge both sides? You just charge one side more. Like it, it's yeah. going to be, it's pretty straightforward. They, they can keep the same percentage. Uh, they just charge one side more money. Yeah. And I, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say as a host or like a property manager, I would like to see if they were to switch like that subscription model to like the host side because or the management side just in case just because i think when you're going through let's say you're a property manager of 10 properties or more and you're going off of a commission base but you bring in tons of revenue um in general for all your property and your owners um that's like your one thing that really sucks is like calculating your commission and your payouts um and just seeing like you know that percentage out the window versus a rare i'd rather pay like uh you know 59 dollars a month fee uh, or subscription or whatever it may be. Obviously, Airbnb uh, hasn't been known for taking care of its hosts or air property managers in the sense of like making sure that they're happy in order to keep putting uh, properties on their platform. But uh, this is something like Verbo has done really well on. It's just taking care of the property managers and taking care of the hosts and and doing that stuff. So seeing where where I think like long term where this might go and where it could go. Um, is if Airbnb really does want to, you know, make double revenue streams, guest and host, um, they would hopefully would be smart enough to go in favor of the host on pricing. But we'll see. That's kind of my my relationship. But I'm just curious what will happen. Right? They have to maintain the relationship. There will be newcomers coming within a few years. It will be difficult because they have, of course, a huge market share, but I'm curious if there will be new players in the market would might have a different business model, they might have low commissions, or even though the low commission, of course, you should be able to disrupt the market in a different way. Yeah. I'm curious how they want to keep their relationship because as an apartment owner, you're just flexible. You can run it out to 10 different booking platforms. If you don't care, it is waiting till the booking is coming. So it's not that you can, you only have to give to, to, to one specific channel. So. I'm curious how they're maintaining their relationship on long term with with properties and for uh, the yeah. guest. I say it's an experience, but for the for the I think for the for the host, 
they just want to have the reservation by their bookings and now mm -hmm. they provide you, but yeah there's there's a lot there so how do they view the relationship long term uh, i think is probably different than how they view the relationship recently um people list where they're getting bookings and airbnb especially in the us drives a ton of bookings and so hosts have just dealt with and put up with a lot of the, the crap that's been thrown their way. Um, but what Airbnb's done that no other platform has tried to do is grab exclusive rights to inventory. Mm -hmm. And we saw it with what ended up crashing and burning from, from Nido, where they invested in a, a multifamily short term rental operator company similar to what we discussed on our first episode. And they had 100% of the bookings. In fact, the tenants or residents of those buildings would be fine if they were listed anywhere else. Um, so I think we could see all the platforms possibly being a little more aggressive towards exclusivity with them. Yeah. And then they can actually have unique inventory. And, and that's where you differentiate yourself, right? Right now, it's who gets the booking and properties are, are more or less commoditized. And it's, it's property managers' jobs to stand out and not be commoditized. And that's where there's a big book direct movement going on. Yeah. Uh, hotels do a great job of getting a lot of direct bookings. Short-term rentals, it's really hard to because uh, you don't have a brand like Hilton or Marriott to, to have drive traffic. So yeah. that's one. And then what's the other threat? And, and I'm surprised it hasn't been brought up yet, but there's another company in San Francisco that is a huge threat to Airbnb if they decided to go heavy into travel. It's Google. And uh, even Facebook, who, who's really been dipping their, their toes into travel lately. I mean, I don't know if you guys went to the virtual focus right conference or not, but um, I mean, there's there's been... Facebook people at Focus Right for the past handful of years. Uh, Google is a bit more of an enigma because of the whole monopoly thing. Their three largest customers in the world are Booking.com, Expedia, and Airbnb. And so it's a little bit murkier for them. Uh, certainly going to be antitrust uh, art fights coming out if they jump in heavy into accommodations. But they're already in it and they drive so much traffic. So I think the biggest threat for Airbnb is not some small company rising up out of nowhere or, or even the book direct movement. I think it's Google maybe helping those book direct folks or you know, suppressing some of the big OTAs and, and raising the bar for smaller companies. I think yeah. it's about the presentation, right? Why booking was successful as well is that, of course, they make it really accessible to find a hotel, to read the right information. There were pictures, the same format. If you go to any separate any booking website or like individual hotel, they all look the same. We all have to search where can I find the information about location or pictures. I think, of course, what Airbnb did extremely well is, of course, because they all had the fear, like, okay, is it an apartment? How does it look like, right? They just don't have the trust because in the hotels, has quality pictures. And then what they did well, of course, is like, okay, we're making sure that the quality of the pictures are great. 
And I think that's, of course, what is Google missing. Of course, they can source a lot because they're king in sourcing information. But I think they will, they're not allowed to even take the pictures, all of them, from, from Airbnb. I think there they have the advantage. But I think Airbnb did extremely well. And I think that's maybe why they're in a position like this and worth, is it, 40 billion or so? Because they really step out by doing something with like doubled or tripled their business that time is by presenting an apartment, right? They're presenting a short term rental by have amazing pictures, have make it personal, be the host, making great information. And I think that was their biggest advantage because selling out a room was not impressing. It was out there, right? But the way they presented it was really well done. And I think that's why they're so successful in what they did. So Yes, you can have Google, for example, in, in reservations and in, in the hotel business and in short-term rental, but still the way of presenting information, comparing yeah. about the property location and everything compared with Google, not sure. Google's basically yeah. become the, the meta site, right? The meta search. And, and meta search is largely faded away uh, as a result. And... And it's also faded away a little bit as a result of people being very familiar with the brands, Booking.com, Expedia, and Airbnb, right? Yeah. Uh, people have their favorites. They go to them directly, and, and that's that. Um, but I think from a, a meta standpoint, most people start their, their search on Google. 100%. Google, and I honestly like the one thing I, I see – from the article that we were talking about uh, when we're talking about all the other stocks for hotels like Marriott or booking or Expedia or whatever. Um, I honestly like the one thing that they have different is that hotel inventory compared to Airbnb. Yeah, they have hotels tonight, but that's not the biggest, you know, OTA out there. I've, you know, it got a lot of buzz when it was purchased and acquired by Airbnb, but I don't think I've after that, I don't think I've ever gone on the platform again. Like I went on it for a little bit and was like, oh, we'll check this out. But at the end of the day, I I think the one thing that we're gonna have to like really I'm hoping on is that like companies like Marriott will come in and just really, you know, try to make sure that they control uh, another segment of that in the sense of making Airbnb realize that they they need more than just vacation rentals. Vacation rentals are great, but Airbnb's um, overall, I just think, you know, the the it's, 2020 year has been played out in an interesting way that I think it's kind of maybe going to just be a trend, you know, for a while. And then eventually they're going to have to continue to find ways to innovate and yeah. get into the other game with everybody else. That's, that's actually a really, really good point. Uh, we saw over the weekend, Accor is is jumping into short-term rentals a little bit heavier. Yeah. Um, Fairmont's always kind of been in the, the luxury residential side. Uh, so now we've got Marriott, we've got Accor. IHG hasn't done anything yet. Um, Hyatt has, has gone back and forth into it. But all the hotels are going to be into it, especially now that Marriott's kind of proven it can be successful. For and sure. Those travelers, I mean, my my dad would never travel and stay anywhere except a Marriott. He was amazingly brand loyal to them. And I'm sure he is the, the kind of person that would book a short terminal through Marriott also. And yeah. hotels do own travelers. Delta owns me. I will only fly Delta like we they, know. 
<laughs> everybody knows, but now, yeah. now I'm, well, uh, I still maybe. think it's, yeah. Well, I still think it's easier for a hotel to go into short-term rental because you have got this whole experience and how to deal with guests. I think opposite is much more difficult. So I don't, if you see from, to go from Marriott into short-term rental, and turning into apartments, I don't think it's it's so difficult. I, I compare the opposite. You see also with Airbnb, when I was talking there, is if you're looking also at the whole the connectivity space, right? It just... By having an apartment, you just there's one room and that's it. When you have an hotel, you've got 250 rooms and you just have completely different operations and also the way of distribution, connectivity, etc. So I think that was like a hurdle what I spoke on, on with Airbnb and Samshank in, uh, in February is like this connectivity part, actually. And that is something what is, well, in Bidroom, we're investing a lot in this and build our own. But I think there's a huge... Uh, difficulty actually and of course they have the resources or they should acquire us but if you see look the resources the airbnb has they really have to invest a lot in in connectivity if you want to go into the hotel space which is, is much easier mm -hmm. when you do the connectivity in the in the short-term rental space no I, I wouldn't say it's easier I, i'd say it's a lot easier to bring on 250 rooms that are the exact same than 250 properties that are all different so that's what and, you think I think it's the same, but that's a difficulty because they all have some unique ingredients, which you have to just mapping differently. We went to it, but it just, if I think about it, I get a headache again. So maybe you should uh, move to a different topic, but this room mapping and having everyone in the same rooms, it's not the same rooms. Operationally, Will, you've, you've managed both sides. Like what, yeah. what are some of the key differences and like why, how would it affect Airbnb? Like what, what challenges would they see moving from fragmented short-term rentals to, to like large blocks of, of hotels. See, that's the thing. Like I've onboarded vacation rentals into Airbnb and other platforms via software, you know, hostfully, for example, is a great one. Um, but it's a lot more detail that goes into that listing because you're building it out on multiple channels versus when you're doing a hotel, when you're uploading it into your, into pretty much the whole system, each you have like if I had a 70, I'll just use my last hotel for example, 70 unit all suite property. You know, we have five different room types, and the only differences really were river view or mountain view. Um, and then of course, you know, two bedroom, one bedroom studio, etc. And so it's like there wasn't as much detail when you're building a listing though for like a short-term rental or like one property, there's so much more depth into explaining, like you're creating a journey for the guest in the sense. Um, especially if you're not like doing direct, you're doing OTA listing exactly like Airbnb, Verbo, um, you know. Because uh, these aren't guaranteed because there's no standardization, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Travel, I don't know if there's going to be a, a um, iron that I can iron my shirt when I stay in an, a short term rental. But in a hotel, like you just assume that it's there. And, Almost guarantee it. And in terms of photographs like the average hotel room has like five to seven pictures of it in its listing and the average short term rental for you to rank high on platforms like verbo you have to have 20 plus yeah and and so it is i think and, and i've never been behind the scenes on hotels ross but i think it's probably far more complex on on the short term rental side all right. Well, we're gonna throw it out to the listeners. See what they see. What they say. We're anyone who's listening. You got like we got like five of you, four of you, um, going on right now. So you just tell us what you think, and uh, we want to hear more because 
this is uh the fun we have we have we have golden and salesforce going at it and now we have golden and ross <laughs> no but, but if you go back to the hotel space right i'm i'm not saying bad things about short term rental because i just do like it a lot but if you're looking it's still Renting out an apartment, which is just ready and in there, and or rent, having a hotel where you, operational wise, which you just have to take care of, like different kind of bookings, different room types, different rate plans. Uh, when you have also an all, you have a reception downstairs, and then apartments get used to like self checking, make it easier. The host lives nearby. You have enough restaurant to run, breakfast and everything. There's the whole operational part by in it. When I try to explain moving from an apartment to a hotel or opposite. I think it's a huge difference, but it's still when you look at connectivity, and that's like we can spend a whole episode on this one. Is like this connectivity in general, I think, is so fragmented and difficult, and no standards and etc. And I think that's make it difficult sometimes to enter the whole hotel space. Uh, I had some discussions also with channel managers a few days ago, and they said they even agreed like yes, we try to keep it difficult to move to different channel managers because otherwise they're moving out. So I think when the, the space and it's pretty if you're looking at think about short-term rental you think about airbnb people call the items i'm staying in airbnb even though they didn't mm -hmm. book an airbnb they call it an airbnb mm -hmm. you don't want to call it, i stayed in a booking.com oh, if i just think about it i would just get sad <laughs> okay you know well, my my ways of thinking about booking but it is you're staying in a marriage you're staying in a hotel or whatever it's yeah i mean we getting also and that's why it, it really helped them i think in building the name awareness is like you're calling a short-term rental, you just call it an Airbnb, right? So I think that helped them a lot in the whole brand awareness. And But what you should do, funds, by the way, if one of you just looking, look back at their one of the first pitch decks, actually. I just found them some time ago, how it looked like. It was impressive to see, like, really, what was the Airbed and, and breakfast, whatever. It was so long, and, and you see their styling, their branding, it was... And it's amazing to see still, and, and, and well done by the guys to see what how they started with renting out an air mattress to a company yeah. now, which is valued over 40 billion. So yeah, again, it's what well, I'm, I'm really curious what it will be if we have the same talk in 10 years around uh, Christmas time yeah. at 2030. <laughs> what will well, be their evaluation then? I would say what the, you talk about like taking control, you know, like of, uh, of the list and like people say I book on air or I, I have an Airbnb or I'm, you know, booking an Airbnb or staying an Airbnb or whatever the term is. Uh, this is like the one thing that we preach to like clients and friends and like even my parents, like I've been preaching this like into their head since day one. They're like, oh, our Airbnb this, our Airbnb that. It's like, well, no, it's not your Airbnb. It's your property on Airbnb. We have to tell them that all the time. And I think I'm glad Airbnb did what they did in the beginning of two, uh, 2020 with the you know full refund cancellation because it woke a lot of people up in that sense. And we've talked about this before. I feel like all our episodes from episode one and all the way to now have all connected somehow. But um, it's just the you know, taking back control of the booking and and really focusing on branding. Like that's the one thing hotels have really done well. And vacation rentals um, as we shift from host. To property manager and the professionalization side of things, I think we're going to see that shift as well. Go with you know that whole mindset and taking back control. So yeah, awesome. Well, uh, I think that is a good way to cut it off. I'm going to leave a final question. Shout out to you know the, the listeners and followers. I've been watching. We had a pretty good interaction th this morning. Um, so. I guess in the comments, if you're watching the live or the replay, I want to hear 
Where do you stay when you travel? Is it a hotel or vacation rental pre-COVID? What is it now during COVID? And what do you expect to stay after? You can answer one of those three, and we would love to hear your thoughts and see what you guys are doing. And uh, I'll uh, let you two take it away. Do you have any final thoughts or conclusions yeah. for, for the episode? I'm curious, actually, because Airbnb started in 2008, right? They started in a crisis. Well, I think all of us can confirm that yeah. we have kind of a crisis now. So I'm really <laughs> curious, actually, what people think, and they can also leave in the comments, what they think it will be. The, this is called the new Airbnb. So in a year of 12 or so from now, which could actually become quite big now. And of course, you can all mention bedroom, it's fine. But if you have a different one in mind, feel free to share as well. I'm really curious because they started disrupting a market really in a crisis. Now we have, I don't want to call it a similar situation, but yeah, we do have a crisis now. I'm really curious what kind of other initiative, kind of business models, kind of things will appear now in travel. Maybe if one of you know one, feel free because I could mention them as a startup of the week. But I'm really curious if yeah. we have the same conversation. I mentioned 10 years, which will be the new one. 100%. And I'm excited for our conversation next week that we'll be able to recap what the IPO actually did. So see what the, the outside full public markets can uh, can tell us. 100%. You think more or less than 40 million, uh, 40 billion next week? More. More? More than 50? I think there's going to be a, a nice retail pop. And then how much it balances out after that, I... I'm no expert, but I can almost certainly say after after the listing, it'll it'll definitely pop. Yeah, I give it maybe 24 to 48 hours, and then maybe a, a little a little dip, maybe yeah. maybe right. less. I'm no expert trader, so I'll, I'll leave my <laughs> tips in that. <laughs> yeah, we just put a disclaimer on the episode: we are not professional stock traders or day traders. So. Because yeah. Just make sure because before we get yeah, lost. We're not giving anybody any financial advice. Do not listen to us. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, guys. We'll see all the listeners and viewers that we had this morning and other uh, people watching on the replay next week, and we're going to talk about, obviously, the IPO and how it did. So thank you guys for tuning in, and we are super pumped.